0: The <laughs> Well, hello, and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and we are so glad that you're here with us today. Today, we are in our final part of our six-part message series called I Am. And in this series, we have been discovering who Jesus is by the bold statements that he made about himself. And in these statements, Jesus uses the name I Am, which equates himself to God the Father. And so let's look at these bold statements that Jesus Jesus has been making about himself in the last several weeks that we've been checking these things out. In the first week, we learned that Jesus said, I am the Messiah, which means that not only is he 100% man, but also 100% God. And then he said, I am the good shepherd, which uh, when we become part of God's family, Jesus will take care of us forever, And then he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Not only did Jesus have power over life, but he also had power over death. And we saw a dead man come back to life from the grave. And then Jesus said, I am the vine. And so when we become Christ followers, um, Jesus, when we remain in him, changes our lives. And our lives begin to look more like his. And then Brian did an amazing job last week of unpacking, I am the light of the world. No matter how much darkness is in your life, Jesus can overcome anything. And so the really cool things about all these statements that Jesus made is not only did he say them in front of other people, but people got to see him live those things out. So if we could go back and talk to people and interview them, they would not only tell us what he said about himself, but they would also show us or tell us how he followed it up. And John, one of Jesus's closest followers, wrote all these things down, wrote all these bold statements down so that we would know what people experienced back then. And so if you've missed any part of this message series, I just want to encourage you to go back and listen to them, uh, especially if you've had any doubts about who Jesus is or about Christianity. Now, today for this final part of the message um, series, uh, we are going to look at this very personal, bold statement that Jesus made. And the reason it's so personal and so bold is that he said it to his disciples when they were at a point where they had pretty much no hope. They weren't sure what was going to happen next. They weren't sure if Jesus was about to leave and leave them behind, And so uh, no one wants to be left behind. No one wants to be left out. I mean, we all remember that time where we were left behind or left out. It wasn't fun, was it? You know, growing up, uh, don't you remember somebody that we knew uh, who was going to invite everyone to their party and they started passing out all these invitations and surely we'll receive one of those invitations, right? Right. And as the stack started to dwindle, um, we started to kind of have our thoughts change to worry and angst because we hadn't received ours yet. And all of a sudden, we see the last invitation giving out to another person, and it wasn't to us. And we all of a sudden just slid down into our seats feeling rejected and feeling confused. Like, how could this person do this to us? How could they leave us out? Because at the end of the day, no one wants to be left behind or left out. When the disciples who had followed Jesus for three years found out that Jesus was about to leave, they were devastated. And one of the disciples spoke up and he said something that we've all wrestled with in our lives. He said this pretty much, how can we know the way to God? Because Jesus, if you're about to leave us, then How are we going to make it to God the Father? I mean, we haven't been able to follow all the rules and dot all the I's and cross all the T's and all the religious leaders have pretty much turned their backs on us. And so how can we make it? Well, isn't that the question that we've all asked ourselves at some point? And don't we want to know the answer? Well, the good news is God wants us to know the answer as well. And so today we're going to check out this very personal answer that Jesus gives. And he gave it not only to the disciples, but he gives it to us as well. So if you would turn with me <clears throat> to John chapter 14, verse 1 in your Bibles or on your UVersion Bible app. And uh, as you turn there... If you don't have a Bible, uh, I just want to encourage you to um, download the Uversion Bible app, which is free onto your smartphone device. Uh, it is an amazing tool that will help you to be able to read the Bible, but also to understand it. And so if you don't have uh, a Bible, then download the Uversion Bible app. Now I'll give you a moment to turn with me to John chapter 14, verse 1. So let me set the scene before we dive into this passage, okay? Because there's a lot to understand uh, before we unpack this very personal answer that Jesus gives. So as we learned a few weeks ago, Jesus um, pretty much says some very important words to his disciples the night before he dies on a Thursday night before the Jewish Passover. And remember, there are hundreds of thousands of Jews who have come into Jerusalem uh, because they thought uh, that not only was it Passover, but that Jesus was going to declare himself as the Messiah and start to overthrow the Roman opposition. And the disciples thought that as well. Um, But that night, Jesus takes the evening into a totally different direction uh, than what the disciples expected. First, he starts off by washing their feet. Now, why would tomorrow's king wash the disciples' feet? I mean, only servants did that. And then it got worse. He says to them, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. And so the men are stunned. And as they're stunned, he continues. He says to uh, Peter, one of the closest disciples to him in front of everyone, he says, before sun up, you are going to deny me three times. And then it got worse. Jesus pretty much at the end says that he is going to die tomorrow. Now, I'm sure at that moment, they were devastated, And the reason that they were devastated is because they had been with Jesus for three years. I mean, they saw him teach like no one had ever taught before. They saw him heal people left and right. They saw him stand up against the Pharisees like no one had ever stood up before against the Pharisees. They saw many people put their faith in Jesus as the Messiah. And they were anticipating that Jesus was going to show the way to God the Father and usher in God's kingdom or God's reign. And so they weren't expecting him to say that he was going to die tomorrow because how could then they ever be part of God's kingdom? How could they ever get to the father without Jesus? How could they ever belong to God? Because we got to understand back then, uh, pretty much almost no one, had a right standing with God because of the religious system. Many of the religious leaders uh, had pretty much said that everybody was on the out with God. The only people who were on the in with God were the religious leaders. And so at that time, the Father's presence could only be experienced in one place at one time, and that was at the temple. And so in the temple... Of Jerusalem was the Holy of Holies, and that's where God's presence was. And if you wanted to get into that room, it was pretty much impossible. If you wanted to get into the Holy of Holies and experience God's presence, then first off, you had to be Jewish. Okay? So if you were a Gentile, that means you're not a Jew, um, the closest that you could get to God was by hanging out in the court of the Gentiles and you could not go into the temple structure at all. And so, the closest that you could get to God's presence was remaining on the courtyard of the Gentiles. Now, the second thing that you had to be was a man. So, if you were a Jewish woman and you wanted to get into the Holy of Holies, that was impossible. The furthest that you could go is into the court of women. And There, yeah, there were a lot of celebrations and there were a lot of ceremonies that you could participate in, but to go further than that, well, you had to be a priest, okay? And so, uh, yeah, the men could go into the court of Israel, but if you wanted to go beyond that, you had to be a priest. And if you wanted to make it into the Holy of Holies, then you had to be the high priest, And so if you've been kind of keeping up with me, in order to get close to God, into his presence, you had to not only be a Jewish man, but you had to be a priest, but not just any priest, you had to be the high priest, which was only allowed to go into the Holy of Holies one day of the year into God's presence. And so for the rest of us, we would be left on the outside. And so that's why the disciples were so devastated. I mean, if Jesus left, they would never have a way to God the Father. And so we need to understand that. So after Jesus gives the disciples all of this bad news and that he's about to die tomorrow, Jesus breaks the silence with words of hope. And he says to them, beginning in John 14:1, Jesus said to the disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. And let's say this together. Trust in God and trust also in me. Okay, some of you were asleep then. All right, let's say it again. Trust in God and trust also in me. So basically, Jesus is saying, hey, you know what, guys? I may not be physically here with you, but I am never leaving you. The Father and I are one. And just as when the Father says something— and you trust him, when I say something, you can trust me as well. And so when you are with me, I will always be with you. That's my promise. And I love how Jesus continues to lift their hearts and he speaks the exact words that they were thinking. And it's like, how did he do that? And so in verse two, he says, there is, and what's that word? Yeah, more. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. Now, when they heard Jesus say, There is more than enough room in my Father's home for you, I bet they started to lift up their heads. And because When Jesus is basically saying is, there is a place for you. There is a place for you in God's presence. There is a place for you in heaven with God, the father. Because when you put your trust in God and you put your trust in me, there is a place for you in my presence and with my father. Now some of you might be like but you know doesn't it depend on my behavior you know don't i have to be like good enough no it's dependent upon faith well faith in what well i'll come back to that in a moment so let's continue So, I bet at that moment, after they started to receive some words of hope, and they need to hear those words, um, you know, if we were writing this, we would probably like extend the scene, and we would probably have Jesus continue into this amazing, like powerful speech. And the disciples, they started to like cry or have something stuck in their eye, at least. Um, And Jesus would start passing out blue face paint, and they all start yelling, Freedom! That was for you, Trent. But, anyways, um, But this is what happens instead. And I love this because to me, it shows that this isn't made up. This is what happens. Jesus continues and he says, and you know the way to where I am going. And at that point, isn't this true in life? Don't we all have that one friend or that one person who like hangs out in the group uh, who's just like super negative and just speaks their mind? Yeah, we do. We all have somebody like that in our lives. Well, at this moment, as Jesus is going into these amazing words, all of a sudden this person kind of like, you know, raises their hand or doesn't do that and just starts going, excuse me, excuse me, verse five, no. We don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? It's not made up, okay? That's exactly what happened. And so uh, that person that we all know, and if you know them they're sitting next to you, just give them a little elbow right now. Uh, soft, not hard. But anyways, that's why this to me makes it so real because Jesus had a friendship with real people. And he anticipated this. And so because all of us know someone like Thomas and the disciples knew that Thomas, or you might know him as Doubting Thomas, is this super negative pessimist who would be the one who would interrupt Jesus and say to the Lord, like, we don't get it. You know, we don't know the way. But let's not be too hard on him, okay? Because under all that pessimism and negativity, um, Thomas was a very passionate and loyal guy. At one point, uh, Jesus and the disciples, they were potentially going to go into a trap and potentially be killed. And uh, Jesus says, all right, let's go. And it's kind of like they were in the huddle of a football game. And Jesus is the quarterback and he goes to go to the line of scrimmage and the rest of the guys stay in the huddle. <laughs> and Jesus goes walking off and the disciples remain in the huddle and uh, they're not sure what to do. And Thomas basically says to the guys, guys, suck it up, okay? Let's go and die. I mean, better to, be, to die with Jesus than be to uh, be left behind. And so then they go. Uh, it's kind of comical. And um, <clears throat> the reason that Thomas, once you get past like his negativity, uh, is so amazing is because I believe that he, his life was deeply touched by Jesus. I think he was impressed that Jesus never left anyone outside, that Jesus always fought for people. And at some point, we don't know, but I bet Jesus fought for Thomas, And when Jesus would stick up for people, Thomas liked that. And when Jesus got mad, which he did, Thomas enjoyed that. And he enjoyed it because the religious system of the day pretty much left everyone on the outside looking on the inside. And in fact, we see Jesus getting angry in Mark chapter 11, verse 15. When Jesus and the disciples arrived back in Jerusalem a few days before the Last Supper, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of money changers and the chairs of those selling doves, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. And so Jesus is mad because he's seeing people trying to make a profit to, on people who are trying to get close to God. Jesus knew the reason why the temple was built. The temple was built for the nations of the world to come and meet with God. And so ever since, um, you know, sin entered the world, God has been trying to bridge the gap, And he's been trying to build a relationship with us and and make a way for us to be able to enter into a relationship because the nation of Israel, they were supposed to point people back to God. They were supposed to show them the way to God the Father. And instead, they had kind of formed this private club with all these rules and laws that kept people on the outside. And Jesus was determined to set things straight. And so when Thomas said, no, we don't know, Lord. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? The reason he says that is because his heart is broken. He didn't want to be left behind without Jesus. The one who had fought for him, the one who was going to show them the way to God the Father, the one who is going to show them how to get into God's presence and into heaven. And so I think Jesus seeing this inward struggle from Thomas and getting past his awkward words and his awkward moments knew uh, just the sensitivity and the honesty and the sincerity that Thomas was coming from. And in that moment, he answers Thomas with probably the most profound and also the most personal answer that he could give. And it's the answer that we've all been asking for ourselves. It's the question of how can we know the way to God? Because we really want to know. And Jesus is super clear in the answer that he gave to Thomas, but he wants to give to us as well. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You mean we don't have to be Jewish? Nope. You mean we don't have to be a Jewish man? Nope. You mean we don't have to be a Jewish man who happens to be a priest? Nope. You mean we don't have to be a Jewish man who is a priest, but also the high priest who only enters in the Holy of Holies one time a year to get into God's presence? Nope. So what you're saying is that everyone, everyone, Everyone can go through the court of the Gentiles, through the court of the women, through the court of Israel and into the holy of holies because Jesus made the way. Yep. So the question is, well, how did Jesus make the way? And how can Jesus make such a bold claim to be the way? Well, he made the way by dying on the cross for the payment of our sins. And he paid the price for everyone. He paid the price for us. Jesus, God in the flesh, laid down his life, sacrificed his life for us. No one has ever done that for us except Jesus in Mark fifteen thirty seven, we see this. Then Jesus, while he was on the cross, uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple that kept people from entering the Holy of Holies was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the Roman officer, who was a Gentile, who stood facing Jesus saw how he had died, he exclaimed, this man truly was the son of God. And yet, even after such a major declaration, there were many people who lost hope that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life because he died. The the disciples had given up and out of all the disciples, Jesus' death probably most likely impacted Thomas. And um, because th- we see the disciples huddling up and hiding and mourning the death of Jesus. And yet, Thomas is nowhere to be found. And his greatest fear had come true. Thomas thought he would never see Jesus again, he thought he would never know the way to the Father until something happened. Picking up in John chapter 20, verse 24, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, was not with the others when Jesus came back from the dead. And the disciples told Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nails Wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Then, eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be, what's that word? Faithless any longer, but believe. And in that moment, Thomas gives probably the greatest declaration of all times. He responds to Jesus by saying out loud, my Lord and my God. In that moment, Thomas put his faith, put his belief in Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. In that moment, Thomas made Jesus his Lord and Savior and no longer found himself on the outside. And we know this to be true because Thomas's life was radically changed. He went from hiding to being all in. And there's many Uh, historical testimonies of Thomas uh, starting in Jerusalem and working his way east to modern day India, the country of India. There are churches there who credit their founding through Thomas because Thomas went and told everyone he could that he saw Jesus alive. He saw Jesus die. He saw Jesus come back to life from the dead. He was able to touch the wounds, the scars in Jesus's hands. He touched Jesus's side. Jesus touched Thomas's life. And Thomas gave his life just as Jesus gave his life and ended up dying telling others about his savior, the risen savior. Because at the end of the day, Thomas knew what it was like to be on the outside and he knows that God does not want anyone to be left on the outside. God wants everyone to come to know him. God wants everyone to come into his presence. Jesus is the way to the Father because he came back to life from the dead. And so just like we began at the beginning with asking this question, the question that we've all wrestled with at some point in our lives, how can I know the way to God? How can I have a right standing with God? How can I belong to God? And Jesus, in a very personal answer to Thomas and to you, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, but through me. And he proved it by dying on the cross for everyone and then coming back to life from the dead. And so the final question that we've all got to wrestle with at some point, at some point we're gonna all stand before God and God is going to ask us, what did you do with my son? What did you do with my son? Did you make him your Lord and Savior? Did you make him your Lord and Savior? That's what he's going to ask us. And when we do, we will find that a place that we belong. We will find that we will be given a right standing with God. We will be able to enter into the Father's presence and live with him forever. And so if you've never have made Jesus your Lord and Savior, in a moment you can. Now, for us as Christ followers, how are you doing with living that out? You know, just like Thomas, after he became a Christ follower, uh, he started to live that out for all to see. So are you being the billboard that shines and lets everyone know about Jesus? Or are you remaining silent with your story and how you met Jesus? Because there is someone who needs to hear your story. There's someone who your story will help them into God's presence. And so someone that you know is simply asking, what is the way? Someone feels like they're left on the outside. And so in a moment when we close in prayer, would you take the time to commit to sharing your story? Just how you met Jesus. And would you commit to asking God to show you one person that you can do that with in the next month or two. And so in a moment, we're going to close in prayer. And if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can do that. And for all of us, I hope we make this commitment to help people into God's presence. And then what we're going to do to wrap up this entire series is we're going to sing this amazing song that really summarizes what we've been looking at today. That because of Jesus, we can have the way into God's presence. And so let's go ahead and pray. And then would you stand and sing this song as a way to thank God for what he did? Let's pray. So Father, we thank you so much for who you are. God, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus. Jesus, we know without a doubt that you are God in the flesh. And we are so thankful that you died on the cross to make a way for us, to make the way. And so if you have never made Jesus your Lord and Savior like Thomas, would you simply express these words to God? Would you pray this to him. Say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for coming back to life from the dead. I put my faith and trust in you. Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you be my God? Would you be my Lord? And would you be my Savior? And if you prayed that, you belong to God. And then for the rest of us, God, thank you so much for giving such personal answers and giving us these statements like today. And God, we don't want to shy back. You met us. You came to us And so, God, we want to use our stories of how you met us and how we made you our Lord and Savior and tell that to others. And so, God, today we are committing to doing that. God, would you bring to mind right now the person that you want us to share our story with? And we will do that. So, Father, thank you so much for how great you are, that you made the way. God, you put to rest all the confusion and gave us one way, which is amazing. And so we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.